The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, agriculture, and fine food truth. And today, I am very privileged to have as my guest, Mr. Anthony Travis. He was formerly incarcerated in the San Francisco County Jail, where he participated in the jail's garden project, which turned his life around. Today, he is fully employed by the city of San Francisco's Public Utilities Department, where he hires employees and negotiates contracts. He is a steward on the union board of 261 Laborers Union in San Francisco. Mr. Travis, welcome. Thank you very much. I hope I described that correctly about your union position. You're a foreman and a union steward. Is that right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Great. Well, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was life like for you as a kid? Well, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. My mom brought me to California when I was probably about three I lived in uh, L.A. around when I was three, and then we moved up to San Francisco when I was about four. I was raised in San Francisco all my life. That's all I know is San Francisco. So when I was a kid, my mom, it was it was my dad and my mom, it's, it's nine of us. So we wow. was poor. We didn't have much. We didn't have, you know, I remember going to school and putting cardboard in the bottom of my shoes because my socks used to fall out of my shoes because I used to have holes in the bottom of my shoes. So I used to pull, I was hoping that no one would see the socks hanging out my shoes, yeah. and I pulled my socks back in to situate my cardboard so I can keep walking. So, you know, I, I remember a lot of things. You know, my father was an alcoholic. He, you know, he kept jobs here and there, but never long-term jobs. He did the best he could, and I love my parents from just being there for us yeah. and taking care of us and raising us. They never left us. They never turned their back on us. And they did the most that they could with what they had, right? which wasn't much. We ended up leaving our house and moving into the projects because it just got that hard for me and for my parents as we was kids. So living as a kid, I, I mean, I didn't live a real uh, a, a messed up life. Uh, I didn't live really a really abused life. I just lived a poor life, right. <laughs> you know, if you can understand what I'm saying. Yes. As a kid, it was kind of rough for us. Yeah. Did you have enough to eat? Yeah, we ate. I, I can't remember a day that I went hungry. I know my father sometimes used to go to the produce market and dig through the garbage cans to find food for us to eat, you know, like the the produce, the, sure. the cabbage and the lettuce and stuff that they'll throw in the garbage. Yeah. He'll go and find that stuff and bring it home, and that's how we ate. Yeah, sure. That's how we ate. Well, tell me, what led you to your arrest? What were the course of events? Well, I always try to tell people I didn't want to go to jail. It was a bunch of different situations with me. You know, one of them was lack of education. The other one was, I can honestly say, no one investing time in me, no one believing in me. You know, sometimes you go to places and try to get a job as a young man, and no one will hire you. Because they'll look at you and they just won't hire you. I don't know it because it was because they want to hire their friends, their uncles, their cousins, 
or they just didn't, I don't know the situation, but I put in applications all over the place, and no one would hire me. So I was young. I got I knew someone that owned a business. His name was Hassan. He said, Anthony, you know, I, you know, I was 16 years old. Me and my father, uh, you know, we was having, you know, I was at that age where I was starting to smell myself, I guess. Yeah. That's what you want to say. And I, I left home at 16 years old. And uh, this guy, Hassan, let me work for him. He had a business, a furniture store. He let me work for him. So I ended up working for him and got my little apartment and everything when I left home at 16. I had my own little apartment and everything. And then eventually the business went out of business. So now I'm stuck with an apartment, no job, no one hired me. So I turned to drugs. Mm-hmm. That was the only outlet I had. When I tell people this, I want them to really understand it's a lot of people out there like me don't want to sell drugs. They sell them drugs because they have to eat. They have family members that want things. They want to take care of their kids. They want to be productive citizens, but they can't be productive citizens because they're selling drugs the way societies look at it. But we are just really trying to live. So I started selling drugs, and I was able to take care of myself. I was able to have the things that I wanted. I was able, So I do get it. I do understand why a lot of these young men is out there selling drugs, because that's the outlet that they have. Right. The only outlet. The only outlet. No one, would, no one would take the time out to say, hey, look, let me give him a chance. Or just because, you know, that guy that was sent to a capitalist school or that had a better education or that was treated different in their life, whether he, and, and this is not a, a black thing, this is not a white thing, this is a, this is a, everything, it's an every nationality. Right. You know, Latin, black, white, Chinese, whatever, you know, it, this is all the way across the board. This is happening to all the young men and sisters out here. You know, a lot of them want to work. A lot of them want to have things, but any outlet we have is the drugs. Right. So you were arrested in what year? When did you go to jail? Oh, I think it was in 86. Okay. 1986, I went to jail. And you went to the county jail, is that correct? I went to the county jail, and that's where I met Captain Sneeze. At. They had this program in the county jail called a horticulture program. Yes. So she would come to the, you had to, yes, I, I guess it was for low-risk offenders. Uh-huh. And so she would come and they would uh, sign you up to go on the, to the horticulture training thing with Catherine. So I was one of them people that was picked. And it was wonderful. I was able to breathe. I was learning stuff about vegetables and plants and and I was learning how to plant a seed. And Catherine used to always tell me, she used to say, Anthony, you plant this seed and watch it grow. And she used to say, that's an image of you. You know, I'm planting the seed and I want to watch it grow. And so that always stuck with me. And that's what I always believed, that she was really planting the seed. Yeah. Well, I heard Catherine speak years ago at a conference on food and I was so taken by her work at the county jail. What I remember was that that horticulture project was able to reduce recidivism rates by 75%, which is so remarkable. What is it about the horticulture training program? Like, What is the magic there? It was the love. You know, I'm being honest with you. Catherine had a certain type of way that she communicate with people, and 
and the love that she showed them, she didn't play. You know, it was like a mother. You, you understand what I'm yes. saying? It was more like the not saying that my mom don't love me, not saying that my mom wasn't there for me and, and none of that, but this was a different type of mother, a different type of love, a different type. She was betting on you. You know, that's the difference. Yes. You know? That's why, and there's so many people that I watched go through that program back then that's doing so well right now. Own homes. Me, myself, I own my own home now. Wow. In San Francisco. Yeah. Well, the horticulture training program has been widely recognized as a milestone in prisoner rehabilitation. And I just want to let our listeners know that what happened was that the inmates were growing organic vegetables that were all donated. How did that make you feel? It made me feel great. I mean, many a days, me and Catherine would take them vegetables and we would throw them in a van and we'll take them up to the project, and Captain will sit a table out, and we'll put all those vegetables, boxes and boxes of vegetables, we'll put the vegetables all on the tables, and we'll tell everybody in the neighborhood, just come and get whatever you need. You know, I remember one time that me and Captain was up on West Point, up in Hunters Point. That's a project area that's in San Francisco. Yes. We was up there, we set the tables out, and one of these little kids ran up to the table and didn't even know what a plum was. I think it was a plum or something like that. He didn't never have a plum. And we couldn't believe that. You know, we really couldn't believe that. So Captain piled a bunch of plums and, and vegetables and everything in a bag and handed it to the kid and told him to go home. But it was good to know that we was giving back, not only to the project, but to whoever wanted it. Right. We'd take it to uh, old folks' homes and stuff like that and make, just make sure people was eating, eating right. healthy. Right, exactly. Yeah, I wondered about your own food environment in the jail, because it's been my experience that the jail food, the food that is fed the prisoners, is highly processed. There aren't a lot of fruits and vegetables. What was the food like for you while you were incarcerated? Food was terrible. (laughs) Food was terrible. I mean, I think the best dish they had was this stuff called... uh, I don't know how to say it because I know I'm on the air, but they call it uh, something on a chingle. In other words, it's, <laughs> a, it's like a gravy over biscuit. Yeah. And that was the best thing going in the whole thing. I couldn't wait for we to have it. Other wow. than that, everything else was garbage. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of. They fed, us. they fed us terrible. We never had a lot of vegetables, you know, or any of that stuff. You know, yeah. I can't remember vegetables being on my plate. Maybe some nasty carrots every now and then. But, yeah, I can't remember any of that. Yeah, And it's amazing that they have spent all this money on these jails and they can't even feed the inmates properly. Yeah. You know? It's kind of hard to rehabilitate someone when they're not well-nourished. And for some reason, I don't know, we talk about good food all the time. It would seem obvious that if you wanted to create a healthier society – that you would at least try to improve the situation and rehabilitate people food first. Well, that's if you're doing something right. We both know that the jail is not right. You're incarcerating people for, for small fractions of whatever they do, you know what I'm saying, and it's ridiculous. I went to jail for selling drugs. That same money that they spent on me sending me to jail they could have taken that money to local 261, our union, and say, hey, look, instead of sending this guy to jail, we want to see if you could give him a trade. We want to invest this into him. If he mess up after this, then so be it. But we want to invest in him to see if he'll do right. 
They don't do that. Jail is not rehabilitating anyone. Jail is really just sitting somebody down so the richest can get rich. And once we get back out, we got to try to figure out how to survive. And that's what's going on with jail. Yeah. Well, I remember in speaking with Catherine Sneed, she said that the real heart of the problem is that when people got out of jail, they were right back where they started and they didn't have any kind of skills. They still couldn't find any jobs. So that was really the crux of the problem. And by training people in a skill like horticulture, suddenly people had a way to make a living for themselves. Right. Right. You know, someone have to care. You can't just lock a person up and then let them out and then tell them to go to school and hopefully, you know, they wasn't going to school when you arrested them. So what you, what kind of training do you think they're going to get out of that? You need to actually take that body, put them into something, and teach them a trade. Show them something different, whether if it's horticulture, whether if it's labor work, whether if it's plumber work, whatever it may be. You know, you need to invest in people. You're not People are not investing in people, and that's what's so bad about everything nowadays. It's all about me, me, me. If I had the money, I would invest in people because, you know what, I don't have much. I'm scratching day by day, every day. You know, I'm just trying to make it myself, and I own a house, and, and, and it's rough for me and my wife every week. People need to invest in people, especially if you can that's right. how I look at it. Well, it's interesting. I was reading about the Garden Project, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture hailed the Garden Project as one of the most innovative and successful community-based crime prevention programs in the country. I just can't imagine why we don't have more Garden Projects around the country knowing that it had this kind of success. You know, my thing is that the Garden Project, I have seen so many people come through there, and so many people come out of that the Garden Project with a different way of thinking. They come out more happier. They come out knowing that they got an opportunity to live now. People was hiring them. For some reason, they come through that program and they get hired. I don't know what that reason is. Maybe they see something in the person and they get hired. But just coming off the street, I can't even get a job. Yeah. I can't even get a job. And it's always good to teach somebody something different, especially if you can plant a seed and watch it grow. That seed that people be planting and people, you watch them grow. It's the same thing. I know when I first started with the Garden Project, I didn't know much. I didn't even know what a bed was. So I didn't know, I didn't know much. But I see the plant, the seed that Catherine planted in me years ago. I look back at me back then, and I look at me now, and I'm a blessed person. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I know I'm very blessed. And I always tell my pastor, look, pastor, I know I'm blessed. You know, I know people out there doing worse than or having a harder time than I am having. So, yeah, what I took out from the Garden Project is this. A lot of people don't know how to eat healthy. A lot of people don't know that bok choy and greens and squash and all of that stuff will save your life. Yes. A lot of people don't know this. You know what I'm saying? They look at that stuff and throw it away. But that same stuff, a dinosaur kill and all of that stuff, is what saved Catherine's life. And I learned one thing. It is healthy for you. Right. And, and so I just think people should just focus on more in helping people. And if you into gardening, do something with the vegetables. Give back to society. Give back to your neighborhoods and your next-door neighbors and 
stuff like that. Because you'd be amazed how happy they'll be to get a basket of fruit and vegetables. Exactly. Let me take one break, Mr. Travis, and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are joined today by Mr. Anthony Travis. He was formerly incarcerated in the San Francisco County Jail, where he participated in the revolutionary program called the Horticulture Project, the Garden Project. And it was funded at the time. I just recently read that it was just recently not funded, which I find to be tragic, and we'll talk about that. But today he is fully employed by the city of San Francisco's Public Utilities Department, where he works on hiring employees, negotiating contracts. He is a foreman, he is a steward on the union, and he is part of the Labor Union Board, 261 Laborers Union based in San Francisco. Well, I think what's so interesting about this project is that through a simple, really, you don't, it doesn't take much money to fund a project that can have such a great impact. And I appreciate your recognition of the power of food, not only to impact health, but also to have that skill to be able to take you to be fully employed, to have a job opportunity when you get out of jail. What was it about this garden project besides the love? And was it seeing that you could do something too? Was it part of being able to give back to society? I'm trying to make it so that more jails and more communities will see gardens as a way to rehabilitate people and a way to reduce crime rather than always looking for more policing. Maybe we need more gardens. Well, for me... It was a change. It was a change of lifestyle. It was a, somebody that was believing in me, somebody that has, like you said, an easy way of just helping somebody that don't cost much. And the garden project was something that I was, it was with low skills, right? You know, I don't have any work skills. No one would hire me, right? So this garden project was a skill that was so easy for me to learn. So you got inmates coming out of jail that don't have any skills, no soft skills at all. And so you have to take these inmates and teach them what? You can't teach them how to become a mechanic. you got to go through school for that or whatever. The Garden Project was the only soft skill job that you can take an inmate out of jail and teach them how to take care of themselves, how to provide for their family, and how to do right in society, being a productive citizen. You know, that's all that our society wants us to do is be productive citizens. Right. How can you be that if no one is giving you the opportunity to be that? Right. Exactly. That's what I took out of the garden. I think that all inmates should go through something like a garden project, you know, or or some kind of soft skill job like that. Instead of being incarcerated, they can invest in gardens all over the place and say, here, look, we got a garden over here. We want you to go there and work. We want you to go there and provide for your family, take these vegetables and go to the flea market or whatever and sell vegetables on the weekend, give back to society, do do something with yourself. And I guarantee you that a lot of inmates probably would do that. Right. Absolutely. I'm curious to know about how often the inmates were able to eat the food that was grown. Was that a possibility? Yes. At first, when I was in jail with Captain Sneed, we used to grow the vegetables, and then we'd bring them in, and we'd eat some of them sometimes. Sometimes she'd make some kind of like soup stuff, yeah. <laughs> some kind of soup, and bring it into the jail, and 
and we'll all eat. And it was actually good, you know. Right. It was really good. So, yeah, it was a possibility at one point. And then, I don't know whatever happened, they stopped feeding the vegetables to the inmates. So, I yeah. don't know how that went. You know, I have, I, I don't know. I'm curious about that because in the garden projects that I have researched with that are connected to jails, that produce goes out to the needy, certainly, and that's wonderful to give back in that way. But I'm also thinking about having these garden projects being a way to feed yourselves and be able to have that produce that wouldn't cost taxpayers anything because you were growing it yourself and then learning cooking skills is another factor. Right. Because it's curious to me when we have the produce, a lot of times people who aren't incarcerated, people really don't have cooking skills anymore. So when you had the tables of produce, did anybody come up and say, well, how do I eat this? You know, to be honest with you, I never really got that question. The question I got was thank you and thank you very much. I appreciate it, you know. And a lot of people actually just really didn't know what certain vegetables was. It was just amazing that a lot of people don't know what dinosaur kale is. Right. You know, it's just amazing that a lot of people didn't know what squash was. That really shocked me. And Captain told me many a times, this is why we do this. This is why we do this. This is why we give back. And this is why we grow vegetables. This is why we try to help people because... A lot of people don't have the money to buy this stuff, Anthony. And she was right. I don't even have the money to buy that stuff. Right. Vegetables cost money. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, why are you eating this way? Or why you, you know, you go to the hospital and the doctor tell you, you got to eat better. You got to not eat so much of this. You got to not eat so much of that. But they don't tell you, you can go over here to this garden and pick some and get free vegetables so you and your family can eat more healthier. None of that is going on, but it should be. And it can be if our society and these jails stop locking inmates up and invest in inmates and invest in gardens and give back. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a miraculous project. And I was really impressed when you said that you felt like Catherine Sneed saved your life. She did. I got to really be honest with it. She did save my life. I was a drug dealer. I sold drugs. I could be dead. I could be in jail for life. I can, a lot of things could have happened to me. Captain asked me to walk away. She said, Anthony, just walk away. If you walk away, I will hire you. I couldn't believe she said that to me. Yeah. She said, if you walk away, stop doing what you're doing, I will hire you right now. You meet me tomorrow, and I will hire you. Don't you know I sat home, and I thought about it, and I said, I want to change my life. But I had been and said that when I was incarcerated in jail, I dropped on my knees, and I prayed. And I told God, if you give me a good job, you give me a home, a good woman and everything, I will change my life. And don't you know everything I asked for, I got? Wow. Do you everything know- I asked for, I got. Catherine said, if you want to change your life, you meet me here right tomorrow and I will help you. I was at that gate at 645. She said meet her there at 7 or something like that. I was there at 645. When she drove up, I was standing in front of that gate. Wow. And she said, go in the back and start making beds. And I didn't know what she meant by making beds. I was thinking about a, a bed, you know. Yeah, right, that you sleep in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she, and I didn't know what she meant. I really, really didn't know. Soft skills, this is what I'm right. talking about. I didn't know anything about what she was talking about. So she came back there and started showing me what she meant. Don't you know I had long beds, short beds, big beds, fat beds. I had all kinds of beds growing on back in that garden. 
And so, yeah, Catherine, uh, and and she seen that I was really sincere. I was showing up every day. I was on time every day. I didn't miss a day. Yeah. And sometimes I had my daughter. I was a single parent at that time. My daughter was with me, you know, and I bring my daughter. So I say, Catherine, I can't. I have my daughter. I don't know what to do. She said, bring your daughter to work with you. And she'll let my daughter rock on one of the little rocking horse things that we used to have down there while I work, you know. Yes. And she seen that I really, really, really wanted to work. I stayed there forever. And she had this tree core where we planted street trees all around the city of San Francisco. So she graduated me from the garden to the trees where we planted the trees for the city of San Francisco. And I planted over 10,000 trees for the city of San Francisco with my crew. And so she seen that I did really want to work. Thank God for that lady hiring me because it, it wouldn't be no Anthony right now. And I tell that to a lot of people, you know, if it wasn't for her, it wouldn't be no me. I wonder, do you know any other people who were in a similar situation as yourself who also went through the Garden Project and had a similar outcome? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. I know we, we all be in touch with each other every now and then and stuff. Yes, I do. Yes, wow. and they all working. They all doing well. A few of them done bought homes and everything. Yes. Wow. Isn't it amazing, the power of a garden and good yes. food? Yes, it is very amazing. These guys were all... One of them named Phyllis. He he's a dentist. He he makes the teeth for your mouth now. Wow. He do dentistry work now. The other one named OJ. He uh worked with the PUC also on light wells. So he do that. He didn't bought a house. The other one named Charlotte. She she bought a house. She do uh daycare and whatever. She bought a house too. You know. So everybody that went through this program is doing. I don't know about everybody, but a lot of people that I know that went through this program is doing well. You know, if a garden project can reduce recidivism rates by 75%, and for a project to receive such a high comment from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, one of the most innovative and successful community-based crime prevention programs in the country, shouldn't we be replicating this nationwide? We should be. And I would love to be a voice for that. You know, I don't, I'm, you know, I, me personally, I just feel like, why are we letting people down? Why are we locking people up? Why are we spending money on these jails when we could be spending them on people? Exactly. We could be spending money on people. Like I said, we have unions. We have labor unions. We have plumber unions. We have labor unions. We have unions that they can invest this money in. When the person come in front of the judge, instead of the judge saying, hey, I'm sending you to jail because you wasn't being a productive citizen because you were selling drugs. Why don't the judge say, I'm going to send you to the garden project because you're not being a productive citizen. Get your life in order. Yeah. What's wrong with that? And the only reason why these people are selling drugs is because no one won't hire them. Six. And that's the honest truth. You know what I'm saying? I know so many people that were selling drugs, and they tell me all the time, and I can't find no job. What do I do? Do I starve? Do these people think I'm really going to sit here and starve? I said, no, because I wouldn't starve. Right. So this I is, do understand. This is such a great alternative to crime. And we've got to close because our time is up. But, Mr. Travis, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and being the proof and the voice that gardens can help rehabilitate and provide people with 
a reason for helping and a reason for working. So in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hamilgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Anthony Travis, who was formerly incarcerated at the San Francisco County Jail, where he participated in the jail's garden project. And that farm turned his life around today. He is fully employed in the city of San Francisco's Public Utilities Department and is a wonderful spokesperson for the power of gardens. Thank you so much, Mr. Travis.